Sourdough on the Canal How can a nation be great if its bread tastes like Kleenex? Quote by Julia Child So here we are, three months after the start of the COVID lockdown in France. The country is starting to raise its sleepy head from le confinement and gradually open up. There will be masks and social distancing for the foreseeable future but people are starting to get out and live again. For two months, we were banned from venturing more than a kilometer from home. Across the country, the population panicked about how they'd buy their daily bread, a staple of the French diet. The cultural and historical significance of bread in this country is without dispute. I mean, they fought a revolution over it. Besides that, it just tastes so damn good. While there's decent and even delicious bread to be found in the U.S., it's not quite the same. Yes, bread is political. A friend of mine said that to me and I laughed, but he's right. Techniques can be learned, but what makes it so special here? Perhaps it's the water or the flour, or maybe it's just that je ne sais quoi. Prior to COVID-19, I procured my bread like most people, at a bakery. Living in France, we certainly have no shortage of great boulangerie. Ask my French father-in-law, a bon vivant from Burgundy, and he'll tell you, c'est pas un rapport sans pain. It isn't a meal without bread. But we wanted to keep our virus exposure risks to a minimum during lockdown. Forward ahead to me teaching myself to bake our bread. I'll just put it out there that I'm a competent cook, but baking has never been my strong suit or even an interest. I groove on cooking savory meals with fresh local ingredients. Inspired by the slow food movement, I decided to delve into sourdough. It's all a rage right now during this time when many of us are working from home or WFHing. But there's a reason for that. There's a commercial yeast shortage, and you can make sourdough with only three basic ingredients, flour, water, and salt. It's also better for your gut health, since there's more vitamins and minerals involved and some probiotic benefits. But I'll leave the science behind that to the nutritionists. It's enough for me that it's all natural, and I use good quality organic flour. It does make a difference. Plus, I love bread, so consider me on board. After consulting numerous YouTube videos, blogs, and books on bread making, I braved the long line at the supermarket for some flour. I prepared myself to measure, knead, and score. Those are three words I never thought I'd use in the same phrase, but there it is. Of course, the supermarkets had no flour. Luckily, there was an organic market a stone's throw away, within the mandated one kilometer. Et voilà! I returned home with two shopping bags full of T55, T65, rye, and wholemeal flowers. Yeah, okay, I was hoarding it a bit. In France, there are so many different flowers that they've assigned them numbers. T55 is all-purpose and what they use for baguettes. 
T65 is bread flour. It's got a high protein level and the British would call it strong bread flour. In any case, it's great for artisan style breads. The queen of French flours though in my books is T80, T80. It's not white, but it's not whole wheat either. It has lovely specks and a luxurious texture. Yes, I did use luxurious to describe the flour. I decided to go for the old school stone ground variety, and I was not disappointed. Well, at first I was crushed because my bread came out like a sad, shriveled old crap. It emerged from the oven in a shape as contorted as my heart after putting in over 10 hours of effort just to make one loaf. In the words of Julia Child, my bread did taste like Kleenex. I've always loved Julia. She was her own woman and one hell of a cook. But she did it in her way, with humor. I saw her not long before she passed from this world, across from the Border Cafe in Cambridge, Mass. She made French cooking accessible to the world and made me feel that I could turn out good food despite my maladroitness in the kitchen and tendency to be uh, a bit heavy-handed with the herbs and spices. So back to my bread-making adventures. Where had I gone wrong? I had two vivacious, bubbly starters that I'd nourished and named. Gustav was 100% rye and rearing to go. The lovely Geneviève was a pale, delicate T65 and thriving as well. I eventually decided that maintaining two starters was just too high maintenance, and the result became a hybrid now known as Gaston. While Gaston didn't take to his shiny new wet jar as briskly as I would hoped, he is now strong enough to make that bread rise. I cheated a bit the first week and used him with a pinch of fresh baker's yeast to get things rolling. Don't tell anyone. Getting the methods and techniques down to make great sourdough was another story. But have no fear, help was on the way in the form of British sourdough guru Vanessa Kimball, author of The Sourdough School and a founder of a bread baking school in the UK of the same name. I read the book. I watched the videos. She's got a touchy-feely approach, but I dig it. She breaks it down in a way that also helps you understand the process. It's part science and part art. I think that's why I got hooked on it. The most valuable bits I learned from Vanessa's method were all about the hydration levels of the dough, or how much water you add and when. You have to write down each step, the amounts, and all of your observations as you go along. I also figured out why Vanessa recommends starting out by baking a lower hydration sourdough loaf, you know, less water, and doing it seven times before moving on to the more complicated varieties. Cue Mr. Miyagi in his wax on, wax off lesson. Sourdough is one sticky mess if you don't get in there and work with the dough. Do it by hand. Forget everything your mom or grandma taught you about hand kneading, though. Forget about using your KitchenAid. Sourdough is all about the stretch and fold, stretch and fold. I'll have loads more to say on that in a subsequent post. So here I am, now three months into this bread baking experiment. And what I've learned is that I still have much to learn. Well, I can turn out a tasty, 
decent looking loaf two or three, well, two out of three times. I'm not yet confident or consistent. I jumped ahead and tried out a more complicated boule of cinnamon raisin sourdough with walnuts. By some fluke, it looked great and it tasted pretty good. But the loaf after that was a dry disaster. Somehow I still hadn't learned the lesson and I baked yet another sourdough variety before I had the basics down. My husband patiently waits each time for the new loaf to cool. We sit there in ritual fashion in the kitchen as I slice. We wait to see the crumb and pray it's not too gummy or too sour. He tastes them all. What a sacrifice. And he gives praise as due. I do appreciate the fact that he's honest when the results aren't so stellar. By hand mixing the dough, I'm starting to get a feel for it. I've stopped comparing myself to all the young baking prodigies on Instagram with their light-as-air lobes riddled with holes. Guess what? You can't make a good sandwich piled high with meat and cheese or smear loads of sea-salted butter on bread that's toasted with huge holes. So I'm out to make my sourdough bread my way, with smaller holes. My goal is to bake great bread that's healthy, organic, and cost-effective. If my French family thinks it's as good as our favorite local bakery, I'll declare victory. Part of the idea behind this blog is to take this next year and focus on three specific activities that are passions of mine. I want to push myself to my absolute best on those. Baking great bread, finishing my first novel, and training to bike 1,000 kilometers will be part of a lifestyle that I'm embracing. Perhaps it's because I'm turning 50 this year. Partially, it's due to COVID and how that's changed the world. But I'm looking to slow things down. I'm striving to be present in the moment in whatever I'm doing, to concentrate on finding joy in these activities while remaining open and flexible. I look at this as the start of a different kind of journey. As someone who made a life out of travel and adventure for many years, this is a big change. Call it mindfulness or whatever buzzword you choose. But I'm betting that there's joy to be found in such an approach to creativity and sharing it with others. An old friend remarked last week that having our passions and interests validated is a great feeling. I'd take that one step further and say that it's a big part of what gives our lives meaning. I'll be posting three entries per month, each focused on baking, biking, or writing. Please feel free to send me comments and feedback to kerrybach at bakebikewrite.com. That's K-E-R-R-I-B-O-K at bakebikewrite.com. And thanks for listening. Thank you.